Exodus chapter 22, recall this is Israel, and this is, they have recently, within months, come out of Egypt, out of bondage. They were at the foot of the mountain that, that quaked and that shook, that the smoke and the lightning was upon it. They, they said unto Moses, Speak unto God, lest we die. In chapter 21, and verse 1, it says, Now these are the judgments which thou shalt set before them. And as we've considered along the way, it's, it's wise for us to remember that these were the commands of God unto his people by his servant Moses. And these things are good and right. And all these items that we see under these little detail verses all point back to those Ten Commandments. Loving God, loving neighbor, as Christ summarized them in the Gospels. Today we'll be looking at Exodus chapter 22 and verse 21. It says, Thou shalt neither vex a stranger nor oppress him, for ye were strangers in the land of Egypt. It sounds very simple, and it truly is, but there is great detail in this verse. Um, Thayer, as, as he describes the translation of that word stranger, it would mean sojourner or wanderer, a temporary inhabitant, a newcomer one may say, lacking inherited rights, a foreigner in Israel. So for Israel to hear the Hebrew, the original Hebrew word sojourner, they would understand that if that they were not to vex or oppress someone that is not you. Okay? A sojourner, particularly a sojourner that was among them. Now, there's a difference between a sojourner and one that is opposed or against, okay? And the, they, they would have understood that at the time of, of this original speech. What do I mean? So if you were to turn back just a few pages in Exodus chapter 12, speaking concerning the Passover, okay? That, that, that liberation device that God had used that was a picture of the gospel of Jesus Christ, okay? He says unto them in Exodus chapter 12, verses 12 and 13. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast against all the gods of Egypt. I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall be, not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. He's speaking to Moses to tell the children of Israel these things. Considering then verses 29 and 30 of the same chapter, he says, And it came to pass that at midnight the Lord smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sat on his throne unto the firstborn of the captive that was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of cattle. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants, and all the Egyptians. And there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where there was not one dead, meaning of those that did not have the Lord's Passover. Now read verses 37 and 38. And the children of Israel so, uh, journeyed from Ramses to Succoth, 
about 600,000 on foot that were, that were men, beside children. And a mixed multitude went up also with them, and flocks and herds, every and even very much cattle. That mixed multitude, I believe, is the those that were sojourners, those that were not of Israel, those that were Gentiles. I believe that there were some of the house of, of, of Egypt that had believed and trusted in the God of the Jews. And as we study through those plagues, remember there were some that believed in the Lord and Jehovah. If you continue reading in Exodus chapter 12 and verses 43 through 51, we get a better idea of who these strangers were and how they were to treat them. Okay, Exodus chapter 12 and verse 43. And the Lord said unto Moses and Aaron, This is the ordinance of the Passover. There shall no stranger eat thereof. But... Every man's servant that is bought for money, when thou hast circumcised him, then shall he eat thereof. What happened there? That stranger had assimilated. That one that was not Israel, that one that was foreign to Israel, had now assimilated. He had now uh, had, had homogenized, you could say, unto the house of Israel. He had adopted by the, by the power of God and by conversion, he had adopted those things that the Jews held and under Passover was now under agreement with Israel. You see that? A foreigner and an and hired servant shall not eat thereof. In one house shall it be eaten. Thou shalt not carry forth aught of the flesh abroad out of the house. I believe in a local use of the Lord's Supper. I don't believe Brother Larry Wilson could come here and administer or partake of the Lord's Supper, and I would not go to Oakdale and administer nor take part of their supper. I believe it's perhaps. All the congregation of Israel shall keep it. Look at verse 48. And when a stranger shall, shall sojourn with thee, the stranger shall sojourn with thee, and will keep the Passover to the Lord, let all his males be circumcised, and then let him come near and keep it. And he shall be as one that is born in the land. For no uncircumcised person shall eat thereof. He he, that, that stranger is circumcised among you. There's no more us and them. He's now of you. That stranger, that sojourner, he is now of the camp. One law shall be to him that is home-born and unto the stranger that sojourneth among you. Thus did all the children. He mean, they're all going to be under the same law. One law. Whether, whether he's a Jew or whether he's a sojourner or a stranger and now assimilated, one, they're, all, they're all under one law, all under one command and covenant. Thus did all the children of Israel as the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron. So did they. And it came to pass the selfsame day that the Lord did bring the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt by their armies. Remember, by the mixed multitude as well. So in saying that, now going back to our text, when he says, Thou shalt neither vex a stranger nor oppress him, they don't have to imagine what a stranger would look like. They could merely look around in the camp, and they had a camp of strangers. 
They had a camp of people that were not Jews, that were not they were not of the children of Israel, but they were with them. They would be those that had come out of Egypt and maybe along the way they had trusted in the Lord. By the power of God, had trusted in the Lord. And being circumcised and gone through Passover, they, they, they would have been able to, to there be with the children of Israel. If you recall, the, uh, the, the, the people of Jethro, Mo, Moses' father-in-law, he, they followed along the Jews as well. Were they, were they Jews? No, but they followed along with them, and they were counted as part of the camp. So these people, being strangers, were not to be... Uh, they were not to be vexed or they were not to be oppressed. Before we get into further detail of this message, I have known, I have known of children of God that will treat certain other children of God because they're not like us, will treat us, will treat them with forms of vexation and oppression. I've personally known uh, pastors, one pastor in particular that that he's a black man and he was treated as though he were uh, he were not of us that he that he was uh, 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 something that was different still a child of God under the same covenant of grace but treated uh, with oppression or or treated uh, mistreated you could say and that that's ugly that's sinful there are others that have different backgrounds of whatever. And children of God, we should not treat anyone that the Lord saves. We should not treat them any different than, than we would treat God Almighty Himself. We're to be a gracious people, a humble people, a kind people, a compassionate people. These were a people, and he says in our text, you shouldn't do these things, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. And recalling them to their previous state, they would be wise to exercise compassion and humility and understanding with those that would be, that would be strangers and, and moving along with them. And I differentiated between a stranger versus one that would be contentious. Those that were in Canaan, okay, and we'll, we'll talk about it more in just a, a few minutes, but I want to make that known right now. There, there's a difference between someone who assimilates versus someone who stands opposed, okay? And they were never to, to vex anybody, but God did say, go in and remove those people and cast down their altars. If you remember straightly, when they were going into Jericho, there were people that feared God in, in, a, in, a, in a tangible sense. They knew what God had done unto the Egyptians, but not unto conversion did they fear God. But there were those such as Rahab that, that her idols were cast down and she, joined, she came to the camp, she assimilated into the camp, and she became, as a Jew, and she was in the lineage of David, in the lineage of Jesus Christ. They were not to vex her, one fleeing to Messiah for refuge, one fleeing to Jehovah for refuge. They were not to, to, to vex and oppress those. But those that stood in the way of those things, they were to condemn them and outcast them and, and tear down their strongholds of idolatry and sinfulness. So the treatment of strangers. He says, and I, and I trust you see the, the difference in, in those two different types of strangers. There was a stranger that would sojourn among them and a stranger that would be in opposition to them. They were not to vex strangers, to oppress or suppress them, to treat them violently. And those are those that would, that would assimilate, those that would come into their camp, you see. 
They were not to oppress them, it also says, or squeeze them, or distress them. It would have been tempting to, though. It would have been tempting to. If you were to go, if you were to read Judges chapters 1 and chapters 2, you see that there are certain tribes of Israel that when they went into Canaan, they tried to oppress certain Canaanite groups, and they tried to use them as tributaries and enslave them and use them for personal gain, and those people ended up being a snare to them. The children of God, thinking that they could dominate and enslave a people, thinking that they could oppress and vex a people, it turned to be uh, something rude unto them. It became a bother unto them. And they also thought, you know what, they've got their beliefs and we've got ours. Maybe we can dominate them and convert them to our way of belief. You cannot dominate conversion. If that were true, then many parents would dominate their children under conversion. I know that's not how I was converted. I know the Lord saved me. He, he gave me life. One cannot dominate under conversion. So seeing what we see in the Scripture. We can also see that historically these things bear out as well. There is a group and her, and her offspring that have persistently tried to vex and oppress potential parishioners and squeeze them and afflict them and mistreat them and intimidate them onto their group. But that has never been the way or the command of the people of God. That has never been our, the way or the command of the people of God. When the, and when the church was sent forth, they were, not, they were not preaching by oppression. They were preaching unto liberty. They were, they were giving words of life, you see. It is not the method specifically of the Lord's assembly to vex or oppress those that stand opposed. In fact, those that are opposed to the Lord's assembly historically have set out to vex and oppress his assembly. Well, why is it that the Lord said, Thou shalt neither vex a stranger nor oppress him? Well, it just makes sense that we wouldn't, right? That, that, that we would not infringe upon one another. But because most recently they were vexed and oppressed, right? Look at that in Exodus chapter 3. It, wouldn't have, it would not have been a very hard struggle in their minds to recall where they were just a few months ahead of that. In Exodus chapter 3 and verse 6, the Lord said to Moses, Moreover, he said, I am the God of the, thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land unto a good land and a large. You can continue reading that. But they would not have had to remember very hard. It, even, the, even the most child among them could have surely remembered the oppression and sorrows, the afflictions, the pain, the suffering that had escalated to the point of their deliverance when God rescued them by that Passover. And so as they're moving forward and having these strangers among them, by the command of God, they indeed were to drive out the people of Canaan, destroying their altars. They were indeed to do that. They were indeed to receive the strangers, though, who trusted in the Lord, who confirmed to the camp, 
who acknowledging the, the promises of God and the covenant of God, who then would fall under circumcision as a, as a, as a type of their faith, who submitting themselves under the Lord's Passover would then assimilate to the camp. They were to receive those and to receive them as their own, to receive them and that there would be no vexation, that there would be no struggle, that there would be no oppression of them, but to receive them as though they are indeed under one law because God Almighty said they are under one law, whether they're born of this land or not. They were indeed to broadcast the fame of the Lord unto strangers. What did David do on that battlefield? We took many weeks in studying David and Goliath. What did David do? He broadcasted the fame of God Almighty. And if God would have been pleased to save Goliath right there on that battlefield, you know, he kept saying, David said a few times, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Well, in my mind, obeying God, they would have circumcised that Philistine and he would have submitted himself unto that camp and he would have sojourned among the children of Israel. That's That would have been the biblical way of doing things. But what did David do? He declared the greatness of God. Even in going up against that great and notable adversary, he broadcasted the fame of God unto strangers. So then... The children of Israel, you see grace built into the law here. Thou shalt neither vex a stranger nor oppress him. So why would a stranger be among them? Because they would have broadcasted the grace and the, and the love and the mercies of God Almighty who declared the commandment of the law, yet gave that Passover as a way of life unto them that gave those sacrifices that we're going to read of in time to come uh, uh, of, the, of the tabernacle, that gave them those sustaining pictures pointing to Christ, that they would declare unto strangers the love of God, God converting strangers, they would then receive them as their own. You think so? Oh, yes, I think so. Think about Daniel. What did he do? He declared the love of God to strangers. What did Jonah do? He declared the love of God to strangers. What did Nehemiah do? As cupbearer, he declared the love of God to strangers. What did Esther do? She declared the love of God to strangers. What did Jesus Christ do? He declared the love of God to strangers. And it's strange to think that the Jews, when Jesus came to him, they were the strangers. But that's exactly what happened. So then, isn't that, isn't that wonderful? Did Jesus Christ come preaching oppression? Are the people of God to come preaching oppression? Absolutely not. I believe the Jews, as they went forward conquering into Canaan, they were depending on God that he would indeed win their battles. But I'm sure it was a precious thing when one of those strangers, one of those who were not of Israel, the Gentile, when the Gentile were to repent and assimilate to the camp. It should have been a natural thing. It should have been a natural thing for a, a child of Israel, one trusting in the God of their redemption, the God of their deliverance. It should have been a wonderful and natural thing for them to receive a stranger and welcome them and not oppress or vex them. Should have been. But here we have this commandment. You know what this commandment tells me? It's not the natural thing for a sinner to welcome others. Oh, they're not like me. They're not like me. 
They're not like me. Now, I believe that there are principles and lines that we need to hold in the faith. But I tell you what, there's people that I'm not like them either. I'm glad they don't draw lines and cast me off. But what about declaring the gospel itself? Do we draw lines and say, you know what, they're not like me. I'm not going to tell them the glory of God and salvation. They're not like me. I'm going to focus my attention on these. They are like me. I've seen it in in places that you, you can go in and you can just about draw lines in, in the room of, uh, 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 of what groups and factions there may be in assemblies. Why? Because... Some perceive others as strangers, and oh man, I I I, I don't I don't want to talk to that person. I'm going to mistreat that person. I'm going to I'm going to vex or oppress that person. Oh, they hurt my feelings. They didn't shake my hand three years ago. Whatever. I've I've heard those excuses. I've seen those things. These people, having been redeemed and delivered out of the house of bondage, were to be again humble and compassionate and understanding and loving and gracious people. They were to be those that broadcasted the fame of God and those that called upon the name of the Lord, whether Jew or Gentile, they were to receive them under God's grace and they were to continue with them. Now, they weren't going to assimilate to the world. God was said, be separate from those people. They weren't supposed to change their way of life to welcome in the strangers. The strangers were the ones that were to reform and join in with Israel. And there's practicality in that. But they were to receive them and not oppress them, not not to draw and maintain those lines of a division, not to squeeze them or press them or distress them or afflict them or mistreat them in any way. They were strangers. While they were there in Egypt... As they cried, you know they cried. Oh, that our taskmasters would be a compassionate people toward us in our affliction. And it never came until God delivered them. In fact, the taskmasters made things worse, didn't they? When Israel wanted to go worship in the mountain, Pharaoh says, Oh, you got time to lean, you got time to clean, you're gonna now you're gonna make your own bricks. They sure would have loved an understanding taskmaster that, that knew that, that it was hard and it was difficult and it was worse. Being understanding doesn't mean we condone sin, but we are being a sinner, I'm relative to it. Having compassion on fellow sinners, I, I believe that's what, and we studied this out of 1 John, when he was speaking of the love of God. Look at 1 John in chapter 5. Verses 9 through 11. In the 1 John chapter 5, verses 9 through 11, compassion and understanding toward fellow sinners. In this was manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might have life, that we might live through Him. Okay, the Almighty, having compassion toward sinners at the cost of His own Son, herein is love, not that we love God, but He loved us. And see his son to be the propitiation or mercy seat or covering for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Israel, if God so loved you and delivered you, can't you have compassion on those that want to walk with you? Can't you have compassion on whom are under or on whose are under the circumcision and the and the um, the Passover? They were to be a compassionate people under strangers. They were to be an understanding people under strangers. 
They were to be a humble people under strangers. Why? Because God delivered them. God delivered them. He said, hey, look, you're the least of all nations, but I took you because I, I made oath to and, and I built you and here you are today like the sand of the sea. Paul says, what do you have that you haven't received? You've been delivered. Why would they not Why would they not vex or oppress a stranger? Because it wasn't too long ago when they were strangers. Let's apply some of these things. Now. Let's apply some of these things. There have been nations that oppress and vex other nations. But Israel certainly was not to. They were not to be. They were to go in and have the land, seize the land that God had commanded them. They were to broadcast this fame. Those and, and God himself, he, the Lord, he was the captain of the Lord's host. He drove out the enemies that he did. You read to the book of Judges, and he said, I won't drive them out anymore. It was God that was driving them out using Israel. But as far as capturing people and enslaving people and being a dominating nation of oppression and vexation, that was never to be Israel. And, but those other nations like Babylon and Assyria, right? Rome, they've all desired to oppress specifically Israel. They're right now, the Palestinians, and they have for some time, have desired to oppress and afflict and vex those in Israel. But that is not to be the nature of Israel at all. They, there have been religions, likewise, that have set out to oppress and vex others. But the Lord's assembly never has. Ever. Ever. Remember there were those that were worshiping, and the disciples said, Hey, Lord, what are we going to do? Are you going to take care of these people? He said, Leave them alone. That should have settled any argument whether the Lord's people were going to go out and start physically, manually vexing and oppressing other religions. Now we can tell them, we can stand up against them. Paul went into the, into the synagogue and alleged, as was his manner, those against those things that they were doing. But he didn't do it by violence. He didn't do it by force. He did it with reason. He did it through Scripture, depending on God. But Rome has, Rome has... Uh, decided that, that she historically wanted to oppress and afflict and vex people and submit them. And her harlot daughters surely have as well. Now people go, get all into, into uh, Calvinism and that type of thing. Calvin was fully okay with killing people who would not submit themselves or their children unto infant baptism. But the Lord's assembly has never vexed, has never vexed, or oppressed anyone. Will not, cannot, commanded not to. If someone believes something because I vex or oppress them, they do not believe anything at all, you see. They're as unsaved as they can be. These people, thou shalt neither vex a stranger nor oppress him, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. They were not to. They were not to oppress or reflect or, or vex anyone. They were to go forward on the Lord's campaign, and all those that the Lord saved and granted them faith and repentance that did come to Israel, repenting toward God and having faith toward God, desiring to be in that camp, they were to receive, and they were to be again assimilated or or to, uh, conform to. The, the way of living of, of the Jews. 
In like manner, we are to preach against sin. We're to go forward on the Lord's campaign preaching against sin. How do you preach against sin? You tell people to repent from it. Sin, repentance. We preach repentance. We are indeed to receive strangers who conform to the camp. Those that believe the word gladly. It says in Acts chapter two, then they that received the word were then they that gladly received the word were baptized. Anyone and everyone, upon hearing of the gospel, the fame and glory of God, Jesus Christ, His death, burial, and resurrection. Anyone who receives that gospel, though they were a stranger, we are to receive them. Not not us conforming to the world to get the world in here, but those that obey the gospel by the power of God. We are to receive them and treat them as if there is no difference because before God, there is none. We should neither vex them nor, nor oppress them. We should neither advantage them or, 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 or mistreat them in any way. And I say them, ourselves even. We're supposed to, of the household of faith, treat each other respectfully. We are indeed to broadcast the gospel, the, the fame of the Lord unto strangers. He says, look, for ye were strangers in the land of Egypt. Now, when we recall what manner of strangers we were, they were Jews. So for them, for him to say that to them means something than it does to us, because I was never a stranger in the land of Egypt. But if you'll notice something in the book of Ephesians with me, Ephesians chapter 2, there is a major sense that I was a stranger and you as well. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 11. So as we broadcast the gospel and as we're speaking to those who are out of the way and as we're speaking to those who are by nature children of wrath as others and as we're speaking to those who, yes, are sinners and deserve to die and burn in judgment, we must remember what what Paul teaches us from the book of Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 11. Wherefore, remember... That ye being in time past Gentiles. Well, I'm still a Gentile. I'm not a Jew, but I am of the seed of Abraham by faith. In time past Gentiles in the flesh, who were called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hand. So the Jews looking down on you, we were Gentiles. That at that time, with that, at that time, you were without Christ. Imagine if these things were written in a present sense. He says they were. What if these things are? At that time, you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in this world. Don't forget that. You know, sometimes we get caught up in sovereignty of God and election and salvation and, and this and that and the ever. Don't forget you're a stinking Gentile. I'm a stinking Gentile. That's right. And then we were strangers. Yeah. Get those words right. Aliens, foreigners from Israel, strangers from the covenant. Remember what stranger means? Not of us. Those things weren't given to us. They were given to Israel. Having no hope. 
There's a song we sing. Maybe we have sang here. I cried, I'm the chiefest of sinners. There's no saving a sinner like me. Having no hope, having no expectation before God and without God in the world. Remember what it being a Gentile meant. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. In our command that we read, don't forget who you are and where you came from, Israel. And those who come to God by you, don't treat them any different. That's something we can learn today, isn't it? Children of God, because we have been given hope in Jesus Christ, and because the, uh, the, the, the covenants of promise in Jesus Christ, we have been brought near in Him. That you keep reading that the wall of perdition is, 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 is taken down in verse 14. For he, had, for he is our peace who hath made us both one, Jew and Gentile, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. There is no difference, Jew and Gentile. There is no more stranger of the elect. There is no more. So Israel, as you go forward and as there are strangers among you and sojourners, train them like their blood. Because under the Passover, they are blood. Children of God, as we meditate on these things for just a little while this afternoon, I want to encourage you, as we go forward, as we march forward, as the... Today, yes, and, and in, in this new year as it comes in and through the rest of our lives, we are to remember that we are just strangers. We are just sinners that, uh, that, that by the flesh and under Adam we had no hope, that there was no place for us in the presence of God. But God, who is rich in mercy wherewith he, and rich in love, in love wherewith he loved us, even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Touching, touching sin. Be compassionate to sinners. What is the chief way to show compassion towards sinners? Tell them of the love of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. What is, what is the chief way? What is the chief way to exercise love and compassion? Tell them of liberation from vexation and oppression of sin. Jesus Christ said he came to set the captive free, to to give life. Tell them of liberation. Tell them of life. Tell them of living. Exercise compassion unto strangers. You can actively vex or oppress someone, but you can also passively vex or oppress someone. How do you do that? Someone's bound up in a chain and you got a key in your pocket. They don't know you got a key in your pocket, but you do. And you just walk right on by. Someone's bound in the shackles of sin. And you have the words of life in your heart, but they never come out of your mouth. That is passive vexation and oppression of strangers. I believe. I believe we're to be compassionate unto strangers. I believe that we are to tell every creature the good news, the gospel sound that Jesus died for the ungodly, that he gives or grants or bestows repentance and forgiveness of sins. 
We're to be compassionate and unstrangers. Yes, there is scripture that says we entertain at times angels unawares. Well, how about God's elect? How about God himself? God is among us. He does walk among us. I believe that for the cause of Christ, we are to be compassionate. Was he not compassionate? I said this earlier. Was he not compassionate? As he went among those that hated him and took upon himself flesh, being like unto his brethren, didn't he, did he not show the most wonderful issuing of compassion that has ever been known unto strangers? We're to be compassionate. We're to be understanding, not condoning sin, not condoning the flesh. We're to, we're to hate the garments defiled by the flesh. But being relative to it, we are to love one another. How can I love someone who's a stranger? I'll give you a guess. Tell them the gospel. Tell them the gospel. Paul. We know multiple times in the book of Acts, he rehearsed his conversion account. And in one particular scene, he's being carried up the stairs. He tells the guard, hang on a second, I got something to say. He turns around and tells them again. Why? Because he knows, looking directly at these people in the face, he wasn't like them. He was worse than them. He knew that just a little while before that, it would have been him that cried out for their murder and even put his hands upon others. And remembering what manner of people we were, which is what we read Paul say to the Ephesian church in, in uh, Ephesians chapter 2. Remember where you were from. Remember where you came from, which is what God says to the Jews here in our text. Remember where you were from and how you were afflicted and don't do that to others, but grant them grace and mercy and compassion and love. Children of God, I, just as much as the children of Israel were to exercise humility in this case, I believe we're to exercise humility unto strangers as well. Yeah. Humility. It takes a pretty humble person to be willing to be mocked at, scoffed at, seized upon. It takes a humble person to risk what they have and to risk embarrassment. You know, our pride gets us to we don't want to be embarrassed or anything. It, it takes a humble person to be okay with being rejected because it's not our rejection. What did the Lord say to Samuel? They're not rejecting you, they're rejecting me. It takes a humble person to go unto someone who is opposed and entreat them or desire to. It takes a humble person. You see, whenever these, these, these strangers were with them, the reflex of the, the human nature is to reject those that are different. It takes a humble person. It takes a humble, a humbleness by God Almighty. We mentioned, we'll go back to the book of Ephesians, if you would, please, just a, just a moment. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. I, therefore, the prisoner, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with longsuffering, forbearing one another in love. Well, why would you have to forbear somebody? Because they're different. Because they're not exactly the same. 
because they've got different this or different that. It takes humility to receive a stranger and not just hold them as different from us. Well, how are they to accomplish that commandment in the Old Testament? Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. They were one nation. They were one nation. And those that came to that nation under circumcision through Passover, they were now of that nation. Why would the church of Ephesus have a similar problem? Because they were people there as well. And sometimes, even though someone has been saved by grace under the blood of Jesus Christ and submitted themselves under the waters of baptism, sometimes there's still division, isn't there? Sometimes there's still an us and them mentality. Love it, it ought not be so. We're to treat strangers to the point where we would think, what stranger? What, what stranger? What are we talking about? Thou shalt neither vex a stranger nor oppress him. Don't mistreat him. Don't distress him. Don't afflict him. Don't take advantage of him. Don't oppress him. Don't squeeze him. Treat him as if they're your own. Because that's exactly what he said in Exodus chapter 12 that we read before. And this is before they went out. Exodus chapter 12. Let me do read that again. Verse 48. When a stranger shall sojourn with thee and will keep the Passover of the Lord, let all his males be circumcised and them that come near and keep it. And he shall be as one that is born in the land, for no uncircumcised person shall eat thereof. Just like one of y'all. Somebody come in. They might not be a Jew, but they are circumcised. They're under Passover. They're following the law. They have, they, their hearts are on the Lord. Treat them like they're your own. Isn't that loving? Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that gracious? It truly is. You can see that evidenced even in the first 12 uh, apostles. They were very different. They were. And... Even you can see circles of, of, of who fellowshiped with who, but they were all still of the same group. Right? You can see that in Acts chapter one when the 120 were up in that upper room. Twelve very different people. But they were there in one accord in one place. There was no division. There was no mistreatment of one another. May God help us in these things. Children of God, don't vex strangers. And by the way, you were a stranger. But if God has saved you and has saved someone else, they're not strangers. Now, everybody says they're saved. I do want to mention this. Everybody says they're saved. So don't just take people at their word, right? Continue to broadcast the gospel. And if though, if people are, are upset by the gospel, then you know then they're not they are still indeed strangers. You see, they're not, they're not, they're not under the, the, the covenant of grace by Jesus Christ. They, they are still submitted themselves under the flesh. If they're resistant to the gospel, then they are not of the camp. If they don't gladly receive the word, they won't be baptized and be added unto. That just, that just makes sense. But one who has confessed Jesus Christ 
and one who has submitted unto the Lord and desires to be part of the camp. In the Old Testament it was by circumcision, in the New Testament, I believe, baptism. One desires such things, having received by the power of God salvation, desires to be a member of the assembly. We are not to vex or distress or oppress in any way those that are strangers being made near by the blood of Jesus Christ. We are to remember that we are once strangers. And the Lord delivered. The Lord delivered me. The Lord delivered you if you're saved. And he brought you near. You remember also that Israel, when they were delivered out of Egypt, they didn't know everything. Right? So if someone is saved and, and they come in and whatever, God comes in looking like he fell into a tackle box or something, don't get all upset because... If you only had a mirror and you can go back and see where you were when the Lord first saved you. If you could see where I was when the Lord first saved me, you'd, you'd have a fit. Remember, you were once strangers. You were once converted. You were once a new convert. You were once delivered out of sin. Did you know everything when the Lord first saved you? I don't know everything now. And that was 20-some years ago. Don't oppress a stranger. Don't vex a stranger. Help them. Love them. Be compassionate. Be understanding. Be humble. Remembering the grace by which you're saved. Declare the Lord. His gospel and the command of repentance. Declare the Lord. Desire the Lord's mercies upon strangers. You see, these strangers, when they sojourned among Israel... I don't believe they had to go track down these strangers and force feed them the law and say, well, if you're going to be with us, you got to do this and this and this. I believe the opposite. I believe these strangers came with open minds and open hearts and were thirsting for the things of Jehovah. So then one, a stranger that would come in here, I would expect likewise, someone desired to be of the camp, they would very intently very intently, would know what the Lord says about things and desire to be assimilated to the camp. It should be for a person to, having been saved by God Almighty, it should be an eat, they call it onboarding. Okay, so if I were to go have a new job, start a new job, the process from the time I sign whatever piece of paper until I'm actively practicing that job, they call that onboarding. Whether I need education or a, a training system or a, what, a certification or whatever, that's onboarding. Signing up for insurance, whatever. It should be the easiest thing in the world to, quote, onboard in the Lord's assembly. Why? Because the assembly should just wrap themselves around those people and help them in any way we can, focus, focusing on the Lord Jesus Christ with all compassion, understanding, humility. There should never be a time where a, a believer comes into the house of the Lord and either feels vexed or oppressed by any other child of God. Ever. Never be a time like that. Children of God. I don't know if I told you at the outset that the title of this message is Treatment of Strangers. So that's how we're supposed to treat one another. Knowing that I was a stranger, I'm supposed to treat strangers in such a way. Sinner, let me tell you this. You are vexed and oppressed by your own self in sin, whether you know it or not. 
It's not somebody else vexing and oppressing you. It's you vexing and oppressing you. Okay? And it's, you can't blame anybody else. Can't blame Adam. Can't blame mom and dad. Can't blame anybody else. You are vexing and oppressing yourself in sin. It is your fault. It is your fault. And that oppression, that oppression as a stranger from God, it only leads to one place, and that's the judgment of God. There is exactly one source of deliverance from your self-imposed vexation and oppression of sin. There's exactly one source of deliverance, and I'll give you a guess of who or what it is. The same God that liberated Israel out of Egypt by the Passover gave his only begotten son as the Passover that when he sees the blood of Jesus Christ, he will pass over his people in judgment. Rather than dying the death, his people shall live in him. He is the Lord's Passover. What did John the Baptist say? Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. There is exactly one source of deliverance from your own self-imposed vexation and oppression of sin. Jesus Christ. I don't oppress you and vex you. You oppress you and vex you. Jesus Christ is mighty to save. I encourage you to repent. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Be delivered. That word saved means delivered. Be delivered from the vexation and oppression of sin. Be delivered unto life and life eternal. May the Lord bless the preaching of his word.